All right, hey there. Everyone from the group of death is dead. Football giants and fat ass favorites France, Portugal, Netherlands, Germany crash out of Euro 2020. Now, Italy, Belgium, England are now hot favorites to win, but we all know Denmark will win it for Ericsson. They have to do it, man. They have to do it. All right, let me go through a few highlights from the first round of knockouts. Dubravka's own goal could not stand the test of time as Spanish goalkeeper Unai Simon scored an even more hilarious goal. It was just crazy. Now, uh, this is him after scoring the goal. He was very happy. Thousand million pound player, great Mbappe, finished his Euro campaign with zero goals and a missed penalty. And our Paul the Octopus favorite player, 555 million pound Jaden Sancho, is yet to get a minute of playtime for England. I think it's time for him to follow Emmerich Laporte and copy his move to Germany now because that's the way he's going to play. Alright, now Spain has scored 5 goals in back-to-back -back matches and even Morata scored from a non-offside position. So he's getting now only 500 death threats every day from 5,000 from a day before. French reached the highest level of arrogance ever recorded in human history ever after Pogba scored the third brilliant goal and then an hour later they crashed out of Euro. That's what happens. The final one is Czechs. The Czechs continued to show their bare naked hairy butts to our in-house pundits. Don't be, don't be fooled by his new name, Checkmate Paul. His real name is Paul the Octopus. Or as the Czechs call him, Paul the Czech Hater. <laughs> Alright. Um, and we have hot, heartbreaking news here, right? Just like Jalebi. After getting so many predictions wrong, Paul the Octopus was instantly offered a hundred million dollar contract by ESPN. Now, Paul will also be given $10 million a year in bonuses if he continues to make terrible predictions because ESPN loves terrible predictions and terrible pundits. That's how we have it. All right, let's kick the baby. First match. In the very first match of the Rockouts, Denmark destroyed Wales 4-0. Lal, I have a question. Now, France, Holland, Germany, Ronaldo. Let's not call it Portugal. It is Ronaldo. Ronaldo is out and Italy, Belgium and England surely aren't unbeatable can Denmark really repeat sorry did I say Denmark Denmark can really repeat the miracle of 1992 when they beat mighty Germany to win Euros firstly like what an exciting round of 16 I mean oh my god it's amazing <laughs> oh, as I was saying all bets are off now uh, it's just crazy topsy-turvy I mean oh it's just been brilliant set of matches I think coming to Denmark uh, I mean, what can I predict? I mean, I'm, I'm out of words now. <laughs> I mean, every time you say something and the exact opposite happens, uh, I will, I mean, I, I take nothing for granted now. They can, they can. I mean, who knows? I mean, they can repeat. But to be very, you're, you're right. Uh, Italy, Belgium and England are favorites. Luckily for England, one of Italy and Belgium will knock the other one out. So it's between Italy and Belgium, one of them and England, those two, I mean, logically, if logic prevails in the tournament, though, but it looks like it, it won't. Uh, so there might be a surprise uh, and Denmark can be the you know surprise boys. Oh, yeah, definitely. There is no logic. All bets are off. I mean, nothing matters right now or whatever past reputation. So for the Netherlands and Czech match, which Netherlands lost, like they'll be this this podcast will be full of surprises this is like this like, we don't even know what is uh okay just let's get on with it so before i ask you your views on this game between czech and uh, holland 
Uh, I just want to share this news which Czech national government has declared you their country's official enemy number one and you've been banned from ever visiting Czech Republic or even standing next to a Czech supporter in a game or ever. And by tomorrow morning, your neighborhood trees, I'm pretty sure there are lots, lots of them, will be flooded with hate banners exactly like the ones that rumored Everton news, Everton's new boss, Rafa Benitez, has been seeing around his neighborhood and he's not very happy and you'll also not be very happy. All right, with that amazing news, Czechs definitely deserve to win this one, but the Lick's 52nd minute red card really chopped Netherlands balls. Now, do you think... What do you think of ESPN pundits? I personally would say that I agree with this comment and I, this is what I also felt. Uh, what do you think about future pundits and your future colleagues claiming that Holland would have lost anyway as they were passive and tentative? And De Boer is responsible for the defeat even more than Delict's red card. And as we speak, De Boer has already resigned and he's no longer a Netherlands coach. I, I, I mean, I, I will not badmouth my future colleagues, so let's not go there. <laughs> uh, you know, you just spoke some some numbers there that I'm going to get, so I'm not going to put it, put that in jeopardy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, oh my God, I mean Netherlands. Uh, I I mean I don't agree with that. I think it was Dilik's red which completely turned the match on its head. Um, in this match, they I mean there is a slight element of truth that. They were not as fluent and fluid as you know probably in some of the matches that they played in the group stages, but but I think Dilik's red card was was totally the match match turning point, um, and I didn't see that coming. Uh, I don't think many people in the world you know saw that coming except for the Czech fans, and you know I, I can, I'm 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 happy to admit I've been. You know, checkmate. Uh, you know, you can see my name. Check. I'm not going to predict anything further. I don't know if they win the tournament. I'm already getting <laughs> hit, hit mails, so I'm not going to risk it. Go check. Uh, all right, let's support the checks. Um, just a yes or no answer. Were you okay with the red card? Yes, it looked deliberate to me. He was fumbling. He had no other thing but to like do something, and it looked. Uh, first reaction, it looked red, you know, in slow motions, it looked red to me. Well, fair enough. I think it's just unlucky, but yeah, uh, fair enough. All right, moving on to Italy and Austria. It was Italy one of those brain fade hmm. moments. Like uh, Steve Smith, I think he borrowed that from Steve Smith. It was a brain fade moment for Delhi. I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I just feel it's very difficult to say if it's completely brain fade or just... He was falling down and just sometimes you just can't control yourself. Like I read a lot about lack of free will. It just kind of like, I don't know, it just happened. And because in cricket, you have a lot of time. That That is genuine brain fade. But this is just like, it just happens so quickly and he's been pushed down. So I'm just going to give him a little bit slack here. Cut him a little bit slack. All right. So moving on to Italy versus Austria. This is not Australia. Italy was so close to be knocked out. Lucky are not which is whose name I had forgotten other time, Arnautovic's 65th minute goal uh, was ruled out for marginal, marginal offside. And it wasn't until Mancini gave his bench a look in that Italy looked like a team that's been unbeaten in 30 games. <clears throat> now, again, your future pundits, uh, friends, ESPN pundits were critical of Mancini to have waited till the 84th minute to bring on Bellotti and Chiesa. Both the extra time goals were scored by the Italian subs, so that's where they're coming from, and also Chiesa scored. What's your take, Lal, uh, on this match in general? Italy's performance, Mancini's game plan, and if Italy can still be considered favourites in this roller coaster of a tournament? Yeah, I think um, 
uh, I think as we mentioned in our earlier uh, episodes, I think Italy needed a wake-up call. No team can just win a tournament uh, in a swashbuckling manner. And this was, you know, a shake-up moment for Italy. So I'm I'm happy that it, it happened the way it did and it, Italians came out unscathed. Um, and I, I agree partially with, with my future colleagues. Chiesa should have started. If you ask me, I think Chiesa should have started. Uh, if not, like Mancini should have been more proactive and gotten him on in the, you know, probably in the 60th minute. I mean, after an hour, he waited too long. That's true. He was tentative. There was no, I mean, for God's sake, I mean, they were the most informed team coming into the last 16, right? Uh, they were the most impressive team out of the group stages, but they didn't behave like one. They were tentative in the match. Uh, and they were favorites anyways against Austria. No, I mean, taking nothing away from the Austrians, uh, you know, but yeah, uh, Chiesa should have been, I mean, I don't know. I hope next match he starts uh, and then we see a different approach by Mancini. All right, fair enough. So, uh, let's talk about Belgium and Portugal. Now, I thought this was a very tactical game. Martinez's Belgium simply parked the bus after taking the lead in the 42nd minute and then played on the counter, which reminded me a lot of Mourinho and how Manchester United plays. Portugal had 23 shots against Belgium, 6. Uh, now, Hazard got injured for the 47th time since retiring, or I mean like moving, to Real Madrid. And uh, But the bigger concern is obviously De Bruyne's injury. He's definitely not going to play against Italy in the next game. So that is definitely a bother. Now, what did, what did you make of Belgium's performance here and uh, Mourinho, uh, I mean Martinez's tactics, De Bruyne's injuries impact on Belgium's chances against Italy in the next, in the quarterfinals? Oh, huge, huge. Uh, De Bruyne is huge. I think if he is out, then, you know, it, it tips, the, the scales are tipped in the favor of the Italians. Oh, he's uh, definitely out. That I've read, that he's, he's not yeah. going to be ready for next. He's, they're expecting him to be back for semis, but they're that's a big blow. not going to be that's, ready. That's a massive blow. Okay, but coming to this particular match, right? I think it was a great tactical match, as you, as you rightly said. And the one thing that I was really impressed with Belgium was suddenly they have, uh, you know, a different gear, a different plan to fall back to in case things are not going their way. Uh, this... It, I mean, it proves to me that they have learned uh, from the last World Cup and the Euros before that. Um, so I think that was heartening to see. Portugal, on the other hand, although they lost, um, I think they won't be too disappointed because it was not for a lack of effort or, you know, as you said, right, you know, 20-odd chances on goal. It's just that they didn't have the finishing edge uh, they could have easily scored one of those chances and then who knows, the game goes into extra time and then, you know, uh, anything can happen. But uh, it's a, it's it's it was a fair result and I'm happy that Belgium and Martinez are more shrewd and, and I mean, tactically more shrewd against bigger teams. Uh, this bodes well for them uh, if in case they make the final. And even the next match, obviously. Yeah. Um, even with, with Italy, because Italy is also yes, going to be dramatic. Italy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, then the the biggest, the best games happened yesterday, day before. First one, one of them was um, Spain versus Croatia. Now, I'll be I'll be really honest here that I I sleep early these days and I because I have to run like 10, 15 kilometers in the morning. 
This match started at 9.30 as usual. I fell asleep during the game, not because I was bored, it just I was just getting tired. When I woke up in between, I was Spain with 3-1 up, and like any dumb fuck human, I thought the game was over. So I shut my laptop and I just fall asleep properly. I wake up in the morning, so this what I'm doing is like I'm waking up in the morning and I'm watching the rerun. I'm not watching highlights. Uh, so I don't know the scores. So I watched the first, first I watched the full um, France, Switzerland, and then I watched Croatia, Spain. Oh my God, like while I was sleeping, how can two fucking amazing matches take place? It was just crazy. Fortunately, I did not know the score, so I still enjoyed it, but it's still somehow psychologically not the same, but I'm still happy that I watched it. Let's talk about Croatia-Spain match first. Now, as I already mentioned earlier, that Spain goalie Unai Simeon, not Unai Emery, scored a mind-numbingly memorable own goal, though it's been officially credited to Pedri for some reason, I don't know what the hell is wrong with him, that even outshined Dubravka's beautiful own goal against Spain. Now, Spain hits back with three unanswered goals, then every idiot, including me, thinks, is this over, this is over. Croatia scores twice in Fergie time, and with the momentum shifting to Croatia, everybody thinks, now Croatia's gonna win. Spain comes back, turns the table, scores twice in extra time, and Morata scores an extreme, like, com- complete screamer, then he goes completely crazy. Now, what the game, man? What a game. So even our producer-director Bikram loved it more than I love uh, licking chocolates off the walls. I need walls. So what did you... How was your... Like, did you watch it live and oh, were you working? Was, what was happening? Was, yeah, it was mind-numbing. For me, like, uh, you know, it's the other way around. It's my work day. So I can't really watch full 90 minutes of the match. I try and get a peek of what's going on, like, every few minutes. Uh, but I, I also then catch up on, on you know, highlights or reruns later in the day. But I was, oh my, I mean, you're right. Every two minutes I was checking and I mean, <laughs> it was just very distracting. Uh, let me tell you that way. Uh, those two matches on that day were like amazing. I think these two will be, remem- like these two matches will be remembered for a long time. Uh, Spain, I mean, okay, when Morata scores, you know that now the tide is turning for Spain. Mora- even Morata scored. So... I think this this is brilliant. Uh, Spain has gone under the radar, and now with the big teams knocked out, uh, you never know. Uh, like you know, the surprises may continue, uh, and and they are not a bad team. Like as we said, even in the preview, right? Uh, they, I mean, if Morata is the lead striker, that's always going to be their Achilles heel. Um, but he scored. I mean, who knows? This can be a turning turning ma- turning point for Spain. You know, in the tournament, and. All credit to you know, uh, Croatia for for fighting till the end. Uh, I mean, man to man, Spain do have more talent, but I think Croatia score. I mean, showed great heart, determination, everything that you know. It, the you know human story, human side of sport uh, is what Croatia I think showed. Yeah, I mean, when I was watching the, I mean, we'll come back to the French game, but one thing I noticed at the beginning, like Croatia sort of believe that they are the inferior side. So they were like, we will defend. Switzerland did not do that. We'll come back to that. I just wanted to mention it because I'll probably not say it then. And uh, <clears throat> this game, like see, in the first podcast we did on the Euro, I mentioned that they don't have that uh, that amazing striker of like Ronaldo or somebody yeah. uh, of that ilk. But we said like, because they're going to play tiki-taka, it's going to be literally boring. But if they come together, then everybody ends up scoring. So they can actually score like tons of goals just the way they did against Germany. And then once they go on fire, once everything works, the system works, 
It yeah. just looks like they always have the ball and they're constantly scoring. So, which happened in the last two matches. And going by the last match, they really look like the real deal. And I personally have soft spot for Enrique. I just love him. Last time he, dro- he showed up as completely casual. Like, I think he was going, going for like a drinks or something. He's wearing all these sneakers and his tight yeah, he's jeans. Wearing the rims, he's, yeah. Yeah. He's 55 years old. He's like chilling. Like, uh, just like nobody dressed up. So either you dress down like, um, you, you dra- wear raincoats or you wear tracks. Or you just completely wear suits and everything. This guy is just like, he's just going to like a casual, like a dinner or like going to like work these days. So, which I really like. So, and yeah, I am like, again, there's no point saying who's going to win. But yeah, I, I have enjoyed Spain's last two games and their Tiki Taka did not look boring as they, it did in the first two games because they were not able to score. But now, uh, floodgates have opened, as I may say. Let's move on to the sixth game, France versus Switzerland, which ended 3-3. Uh, in the extra time, moved to the extra time, then eventually everybody knows Switzerland won. So Switzerland knocked out the world champions here. This is by far the biggest upset in the Euros, which has had so many upsets, but a lot more than that. I mean, it was such a cracking match for all the neutrals. Totally enjoyed it. Switzerland takes the lead, then gets a penalty to make it 2-2. Misses the damn penalty. France find their mojo back, scored thrice. Amazing goals. Like game over, baby. No, 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 no. It's, it's never over, as they say, till the fat lady sings. And score, Swiss come back from nowhere and score twice again. This seems almost like identical to the previous match which was happening a couple yeah. of hours earlier in Fergie time. And then no goals in the extra time. Then it's penalties. First nine penalties. Everybody hits the target and great Mbappe steps up. He's like looking fucking confident. Boom. Swiss goalie, Summer saves the shot and France are out of the years. I mean, France and Mbappe will never forget this defeat, man, no matter what happens. Yeah, this match unreal. was totally yeah. unreal, magical. Boy, Swiss deserve to go through. But if we have learned anything in this Euros, that if you, it's that if you don't, don't even dare count anyone out because just because they're not footballing powerhouses, anything is possible. Please tell me all your feelings about this incredible match and how much was French arrogance, as people have been talking about, responsible for this defeat. Because I do believe there was there was arrogance. There was arrogance. And I've seen this arrogance before as well. But to, yesterday, it really dug their grave. But yeah, I, your opinion. I, yeah, I think firstly on the match, oh my God. Oh my God. I don't have any words. I was just, I mean, on my, I mean, I, I don't have words to describe. Oh, this was just unreal. Switzerland putting in a performance of a lifetime against the French. I think this is the first time the Swiss have reached the quarters, if I'm not wrong. So, arguably... Uh, in the long time. I, I don't know, yeah, but yeah, the they've been talking. Probably, they have, yeah. they, it's been Achilles' heel, the quarterfinals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I think this this would arguably be the biggest match uh, for them in, in decades, uh, you know, if, if if not longer. So, I mean, and, and so coming to what you said, right, arrogance. I wouldn't go that far. I, I, I wouldn't be that critical. I think complacency, I would use the word complacent, taking it light. I mean, arrogance, I mean, again, choice of words, but I would call it complacency. They took them lightly thinking that it would be an easy pass. So in the first half, they they, they got shook up with that first goal and that penalty. Oh my God. Like, you know, if it would, if it would have been 2-0, then... You know, it wouldn't have probably reached the. I mean, who knows? You never know. Like the last yeah, never know, yeah. goals in the tournament, but uh, that spurred them on, and then they changed gears, and suddenly they were three three one. And Pogba, the best, the most consistent player in the French squad, of uh, for all of the four matches, everyone has been up and down. 
uh, and within the matches also they've been up and down. Pogba has been like you know the top of his game and the most consistent player. He deserved that goal, and then like it was done, right? No, no one had Swiss, Swiss had no right to come back after that against the world champions, and they did. And I don't know what will happen to Mbappe's confidence. Uh, what he's a young guy, he's probably what 21, 22, 22, uh, and it it must be devastating. Uh, I hope he comes back stronger. He's a he's a great great talent. Uh, I I just feel sorry for him. Uh, I don't feel sorry for the French because Swiss hats off to the Swiss. Uh, they deserved going through after that performance. But yeah, I just want Mbappe to you know put this behind and start with a clean slate. Uh, there's a World Cup next year that could be his redeeming chance. Yeah, I, I mean a choice of words, arrogance, complacency, but they are. I think they are interrelated. Now, also if you remember that what happened with Spain, almost identical thing happened. Croatia comes back, uh, but then even in extra time, they just couldn't, French could not find the gear, which Spain did, right? So yeah. after they scored, like I'm just saying psychologically, French do know they're superior than these things. And when you score those three goals the, and after saving the penalty, somehow in their mind, they already won the game. And that's something yeah. you never do. In fact, if you see one of the ESPN pundits, Frank LeBeuf, he said the same thing had happened, I think, in 1974 or something like that. And he used to play in 90s. He said, we always remember the Germans. Again, it's the Germans. that They were 3-1 up against Germany. Germany comes back, score uh, two goals, takes it to extra time, eventually, I think, beat them in penalties or whatever. So he said, we know this thing. So we never, ever tell ourselves it's over. But after uh, Pogba scored that, literally amazing because he had like this much, yeah, this like a postage off. stamp of a place to score the goal and he gets that and then after he does this dance yeah. <laughs> all the creepy dancing then uh, uh, after that somehow I think in their mind they just felt that it was over and they yeah. would they, they're definitely going to win it and that's something complacency can never come in any fucking team ever in the history that's why the coach or whatever the team I blame both the coach and the team that how did that even come in because I this have a is question a question for you I have a question hmm. for you do you think uh, they will sack or Deschamps goes, I mean, deserves to be sacked and Zidane comes in. What's your view on that? I have not thought about this thing. I just don't see it coming though. I, it has to be completely on the dynamic, what is happening in the French team. But if you just ask me my fair, because you never know what happens inside, right? And I've not thought, heard anything about it. But it will be, uh, let me just say ridiculous, although football is ridiculous, anything is possible. But it will be ridiculous to like sack Deschamps now who's done extremely well. I mean, like, this is as good as we have talked about that in football. Winning something is literally impossible. If you went to the finals, then this was a, this is a screw-up. But this is what we expected it happens. When you're so hot favorite, something or other will go wrong. And when they were super, super hot favorite, um, if it makes sense, go for it. But if you try to sack him, like, this is like your fucking fault and you don't deserve to be in the team, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. In Fair fact, enough. I... In my personal opinion, I would definitely want him. Unless something is broken in the squad, which is not. I saw his body language also. He seemed like pretty cool about it. And uh, in the in they should he should finish his tenure. I don't know how long the contract is, but the World Cup should be his. And I would feel it will be the right deal because it's not like um, um, Zidane has experience uh, coaching a national team or something. So 
it's uh yeah I, sacking will not be a good idea if deshaun doesn't want to I, 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 I anyway short answer is i would want deshaun to continue and this will be like you know redemption for him and mbappe and rest everybody it'll be a very good world cup and i he's pragmatic i don't really like his style but i think he totally totally deserves it no doubt about yeah, that fair fair enough oh yeah hey, right. i have a so, question a director is also talking now what is happening here that's a director <laughs> he's in the background <laughs> yeah so hi uh So I wanted to ask uh, why Pogba plays so well for France and not so great for Man U. Yeah, ask ask that. I mean, that's that's what a ninety million dollar question or a hundred million dollar question for United. Uh, I, I think the simple answer is he plays with a better set of players. He he first of all his position is in the center of the park. He can he can he's one of the best. a passer like 30 40 50 yard passing like he is one of the best he has to be in the center of the park and he needs a set, a defensive midfielder to cover he's sometimes he loses the ball and doesn't track back he's not defensively the best so if like with united unfortunately fred and matic or you know, uh, sorry McTominay. fred and uh, mctominay mcfred are both of them combined don't are not good enough as kante uh the job kante does that would be my 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 you know two cents here uh that, but otherwise i think uh, somehow he looks more turned on and and he's more passionate about playing for france than united that's for sure that shows in his body language but just in sheer like performances i think you need a guy like kante to play alongside pogba in the center of the park for him to really show all his skills So two things are Angola Conte is like the, the best uh, midfielder defensive midfielder uh, ever right right now at this stage so yeah. what he was trying to say even including both Fred and McTominay he's still better than both of them so that definitely helps also he's obviously much more scared of Didier Deschamps than he's of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because nobody's scared of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or Mourinho like literally nobody <laughs> no i mean he didn't he, he was not that he was playing well for Mourinho So it's it's I don't it's less No but they had a fight right that's why Ole doesn't even like Ole like if he doesn't play well for Mourinho Mourinho say go sit on the bench like fuck yes. off like come on but uh, with this guy do you really think like he can get away with stuff from Didier Deschamps and also the fact that he knows that he doesn't play well for uh, United in fact he's telling himself i need to play better here and show everybody that i'm a genuinely good player yeah so in and french team come on man i mean they lost here but come on see the i mean even bikram knows bikram was telling me like this look at this team man who people coming off the bench man it's crazy it's like yeah. crazy players yeah, coming from voice felt like it was god asking the question suddenly out of nowhere i have a question i thought you have god i mean god coming into the podcast <laughs> i was like what is happening here what is happening so i have asked him to ask question but i think he find he didn't ask he didn't ask and he finally decided like today is the right time to ask and he loves paul pogba he has posters of paul pogba in the washroom so mm. um and very obnext objectionable clothing pogba is wearing <laughs> Not only just objectionable hair. Oh, people like me talking about objectionable hair. Come on, and Pogba is still worse. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, if uh, Bikram is satisfied, we'll move on to the next one. A very heartbreaking match for all three of us because we love England, but somehow we just have heart for Germany. And it was a very weird way for Joachim Löw to go away. Now, I had written like I was watching the match and I was writing notes. And the six-seven minute, I remember Gordon fucking Pickford. Like I don't know how on earth he stopped that bullet from Kai Havertz. It would have broken my hand completely. Then Werner still can't score, not even from offside this time. 
Wonder was replaced by Nabry in the 67 minute and Saka was replaced by Grealish and I think that kind of like tilted it a little bit in not that because Saka wasn't playing well but something else happened and uh, 75 minute it was brilliant from Sterling who's gotten a lot of stick and how he shuffles back onside if you watch it he was offside then he comes back onside and then gets in the position then scores a brilliant goal what a good team goal but how on earth right after that I think within 2-3 minutes Muller missed an open goal he would have pretty much scored like 9 out of 10 times and then 86 minutes, it had to happen, right? Harry fucking Kane scores and then it's 2-0 and Germany are definitely out. Now, Lal, I got to give it to England. I have a lot of questions for this thing. Sure, Germany did not take the chances and Müller missed an open goal. England definitely deserved the victory. I did not, I don't like the Southgate's plan. Too pragmatic for me. But do you reckon that Southgate got lucky with pragmatic tactics or pragmatism is what wins you Euro and World Cups, which we have seen? And is it really coming home, as my name says? So, um, I think uh, lots to unpack there. I think I'll take your last question first. Southgate did get lucky. Uh, but at the same time, pragmatism do win, do win, uh, you know, major tournaments. Look at Portugal in 2016. That's the biggest example or the most latest example of how pragmatic Every football time. wins you. Yeah. So Since Greece in 2004. Since yeah, Greece in 2004. So, yeah. So, I think it's it's a good formula. But I mean, I, I don't like it, especially given the the talent that England have. Uh, I I don't like Southgate's tactic. He got lucky. If I mean, first of all, why did Germany pick Timo Werner? Like, why not Nabri? Uh, I mean, Werner can't score. Like, if you give him an open goal five yards out, like tap in, he can't. He'll still miss it. That's how. That's the kind of form he's in. Uh, I mean, England would have loved to see him on this, uh, you know, team sheet and like, ah, great. One, one guy we have to, you know, not worry about. One, so I'm, I'm a little bit perplexed as to why he started instead of Nabry. Uh, and looking at the team sheet, I thought, oh my God, like Southgate, if, if England lose, he is going to get so much stick by sticking in. He was playing with almost seven defenders, right? He it said like, that on the inter interview after that, by the yeah, way. That he said he, he said used the word he'll be dead if he yeah. did not work. In and this he team. deserved yeah. to be. If if Muller had scored an equalize and somehow whatever, you know, that's what Germany does all the time, right? Yeah. And and that was the turning point. If I mean the Muller should have scored that. And that would have completely changed the momentum of the game. And on England's side, if if this was the tactic that park the bus, be it practical till 70 minutes, and then I'll bring Grealish on and you know do it. I just don't get it. Why do you take that risk if in the first 70 minutes if Germans were ahead and you were under pressure in a knockout match against 45,000 fans in Wembley? I mean, sometimes that tactic may not work. Grealish can come on, but, you know, no one scores. Uh, so it was risky business. Uh, I hope he's now with, with, you know, the next match, he kind of at least doesn't play with seven defenders. Like, you know, I was kind of bored with six. He went a step further and put in one more defensive guy on the field. Uh, but yeah, it may be coming home. Finally. Yeah, I think it looks like, I think every after every match we'll be saying that it's coming home. It's been coming home since like 1966. 66, yeah. So yeah, it's been coming home since then, right? Alright, so uh, moving on to the final game, it again did not disappoint. Ukraine versus Sweden. Ukraine finally goes goes in 2-1 uh, for, for whatever reason in my notes I've written 4-0 because that's the standard. I just, when I don't have the scores, I just write 4-0. Okay, so you uh, fix the notes. Now, um, 
you can talk about anything in this match uh, that you feel like uh, I don't have specific questions, but I have one specific question for you, and I'm very serious about this. Now, how on earth, this is on the red card, how on earth Danielson has given a fucking red card when he got the ball clean, like completely clean, and there was a lot of distance between him, the ball also, and the other player running into him, and he got it clean as a whistle, and that moron Olsen runs into Danielson's follow-through. Uh, there's nothing Danielson can do about the, his follow-through, but Olsen can see, because Olsen can see, because Danielson is going for the ball, Olsen can see Danielson will reach early, like supremely early, like fucking three seconds early, and then he still keeps running and smashes into Denzel's cleats, spikes. And I think Dennis Olsen deserves a red card for doing something so stupid and trying to injure himself. And also needs to make to stay with Charlie fucking Sheen for a week in a 4 by 4 prison cell. Because then only he'll learn his lesson. You've been a science student and you were a science guy. I'm not a science guy. But do you... I mean, how... What Denzel can do about his follow-through? He can't do anything about it. And the other person can see it. Why are you running into him? And then he gets a red card? I, I just don't get it. And then that's the reason why these people lose eventually. Yeah, I think that's the talking point of the match. But I think uh, what the ref saw was his studs were facing up. No matter what, even if it's a 50-50 challenge that both players had equal chance of making it and just someone reached earlier and follow through, you know, was bad. But the studs were showing. And that was kind of what made the ref... Uh, you know, issue a red card. If you notice, like in the in real time, he gave a yellow. He was called by VAR and to check. And of course, in slow motion, it looks worse than what it is actually in real time. So, but unfortunately, he he didn't have enough to like you know overturn VAR because the studs were showing. And and sometimes you have to go. I mean, he went by the book. His earlier instinct was right to issue a yellow. It, it definitely was a yellow. Uh, but I, so I would give the benefit of you know doubt to the ref. I mean, he, he was under tremendous pressure. He was asked by VAR to change it, uh, and when the studs are showing, it's, it's it's sometimes it's out of his hands to you know change it. So that. Well, I'm probably okay game. with the decision because the moment it goes to VAR, yeah. he doesn't have a choice because what he's going to do because he has to be consistent and going by the book yeah. here. I just know that a fact as a, as a genuine football player, I have never played football, but science and football, I've talked, I've listened to this topic a lot. There is like, he goes for the ball. It's not 50-50. This guy is like this far away and he gets the ball like clean and square. That guy keeps running. That guy can make it because he's getting a red card because that guy makes the decision to stop, not stop running. That's something I just don't understand because if it's the other way around and the other guy clatters into him, he doesn't get a red card. It's just... Because if you're yeah. close to the, it's, if it's too close and he's just like, he can see the ball is there and leg is there, but the ball was here and leg was here. And he, I mean, now they're saying they should, he should know that this guy's coming. I mean, he, he, that's not possible. That's no, bullshit. Yeah, football, unfortunately, people have forgotten, modern football has forgotten that football is a contact sport. Nowadays, even like if, if like, I mean, if a feather touch and someone falls down, it's a foul or whatever, like just... Like touching someone and someone falls and the VAR says, okay, there was a touch. I mean, what? I mean, unfortunately, that's the that's the current football world that we live in. Uh, and these things, I think, I don't know how will we be able to stamp these things out. Uh, but anyways, I think if we move beyond this point, I think one thing is I just love watching Ukraine uh, in this tournament. I was telling you at the in the preview of the tournament, right? Maybe their talisman Shevchenko might be able to, you know, do something miraculous. Uh, Yarmolenko, 
Yeah, the coach Yarmolenko, Yarmchuk, yeah. and Zinchenko. I think I, I just love these three guys, and especially the the partnership between Yarmolenko and Yarmchuk. Uh, it's going to be interesting match against England because they also uh, Ukraine also set up three three. They play the play back three, and and these three guys up front. Uh, of, of course, Zinchenko on the wing. Uh, it's just going to be fun, and and they they never back down Ukraine. Uh, they will go down with a fight, even if they go down. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting. All right, so you already kind of like you know got into the, your favorite section right now because it's just going to make everybody look like an idiot. So the quarterfinals, can you just quickly pick between the four quarterfinals? Let's pick from quickly Switzerland and Spain without much yes or no, like one team. Oh my god! Or you can also um, say winner and also say penalties or whatever you want to say. But the, those are the only two things I'm looking for at the moment. Spain. All right. I would say clean, so. clean, regular time. Um, yes, regular time. All right. Let's stick to that. Belgium versus Italy. Um, I would have said Belgium if De Bruyne was playing. Uh, but if he's it's not playing, since he's not playing, I think it may go into extra time. And somehow I still have a feeling that Belgium might nick it in extra time. Even without the Bruyne, extra time, Belgium. All right, Czech Republic versus Denmark. The great Denmark. Remember Czech guys, Czech supporters. I am saying Czech Republic. <laughs> Czech, Repu- Czech Republic will win. Oh, they're not happy. They're like, don't pick Czech. Please. Don't pick Czech. You, you, you. Oh my God! This I is why we live. They might jinx them. them. Oh, oh, they're hating you already. There's no winning here, right? I'm, I'm going to get death death threats, anyways. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no winning for you. It's like a dead end. It's like a between a, a rock and a really hard place. So you're stuck yes. there. All right. Let's talk about the final game between England and Ukraine, which you kind of already touched upon. So you think Ukraine? Yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on. I think it'll be a close match. Um, it'll be won by a diff, like not a margin of a goal. Uh, and okay, if if England concede, then Ukraine will win. So if Ukraine scores the first goal, then Ukraine goes through. Uh, if England scores the first goal, then England wins. Whoever scores the first goal in that match will win. I never like that answer. It's like that's what exactly the ESPN pundit saying. If Scotland scored first, they go, hey, "Come on, man! Of course they'll come I'm, through." I'm practicing goal. for my new job, man. Oh yeah, fair enough. That's that's fair enough. So all right, this is a. I really like this podcast, but obviously nothing like the matches. But that's the matches made this podcast really good. We were this podcast is delayed from the morning till evening and from night to morning for Lal. But finally, it's done. So let's see what happens. Let's see more uh, incorrect predictions. Thank you for all for your time again. And we also had a question from our director, producer, and uh, overlord. And hopefully, we sufficed, uh, gave him a sufficient answer at least. Sufficient is the only biggest word I'll use here, not efficient. So yeah, take care. And if you like and subscribe and keep watching, and we're gonna keep watching Euro and. By the way, Copa is also happening, but nobody cares. Nobody cares. So, but yeah, hopefully Argentina can win. Jinx them again, again. Jinx them. Although Messi is doing very well. All right, take care. Have a good evening. All right, bye bye now. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye bye. Bye.